All right, kids, come on up. We're going to be over on this side today. Come on over. You can sit in the front row or down on the floor. You can sit anywhere in here. Good to see everyone this morning. All right, keep coming over. All right, so this is the time, remember, called Advent, when we anticipate, we look forward to the coming or the arrival of Jesus, right? And we use, we're using our Advent wreath to help us with that. If you remember, we lit the first candle. Who remembers what the first candle was called? Go ahead and say it out loud expectation candle, because the people of God expected a Savior to come, right? And what was the name of our second candle that we lit? Remember this one? Good. Prophecy candle, because the uh, coming of the Savior was prophesied. It was foretold in the Old Testament, right? So this morning, we're going to light this third candle, and this is called the angel candle. Everyone say angel candle. Yeah, angel candle. Now, we have the angel candle because in the Christmas account, we hear in the Bible, we hear about angels. Angels had a special role around Christmas. They got to come and announce the birth of Jesus, all right? We read that a few different times. We see angels. The angel came to Mary and told her that she would be Jesus' mother in Luke chapter 1. It says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. So the angel came to Mary. The angel also came to Joseph, Jesus' father. In Matthew chapter 1, says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We've already heard this morning about the angels coming to the shepherds, right? And we sang about that this morning. The angels came to the shepherd and proclaimed the birth of Jesus, that he was born. And so not only did the angels announce that Jesus would be born, but they announced that he would be the Savior that the people have been waiting for and expecting and that had been prophesied about. So I want you to think, have you ever ever had a time when you're waiting for something special to happen? Maybe waiting for people to come over to your house and visit, maybe grandma or grandpa or somebody else, and you're kind of looking out the window, yeah? And what happens when, they, when you see them pull in the driveway? They're here! They're here! And you kind of announce it to your family. Who's ever done that before? Have you done that? Yeah. That's an exciting time, isn't it? Now, God's people at this time had been waiting and expecting the Savior to come because of that prophecy. So when the angels announced to the shepherds, the Savior has been born, do you think that was a pretty exciting time? Yeah, this is what they had been waiting for for a long time. It was really exciting to hear. It was really good news for them. So the angels got to announce that. So what's the name of our first candle over there? Expectation, because people expected a Savior was coming. The second candle was the prophecy candle because the birth of Jesus had been foretold. And this third candle today was the angel candle because the angels got to announce and proclaim the birth of the Savior. 
Yes, very exciting. Good. Thanks, everyone, for coming up. You can go back and have a seat. All right, we are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, 8 to 20. Luke 2, 8 to 20. All right, kids, um, you're just heading back, but if you have a toothache or a problem with the tooth, who do you go to? You can just say, you don't have to raise your hand or stand up. A dentist, right? All right. If you have a really bad bellyache that lasts a week and isn't getting better, who do you go see? A doctor. That's right. If your boot needs a new heel, who do you go to? Dave Franks. That's right. The cobbler. And if you have a soul that's in sin and headed to hell, where do you go? To Jesus. Right. He's a savior. Is there any other? There are other cobblers than Dave. Right. There's hundreds of doctors. There's lots of dentists. There's only one savior. There's only one. Uh, Luke 2, 8 to 10, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, because this text is well known, and we may uh, just pass it over and not feel the glory and the delight of it. And so, God, we ask for your help now to awaken us from our slumber that we might see Jesus. Amen. So I just pray this is a well-known text. Some of you could say some of it from memory, maybe in different versions. Uh, I was thinking this week as preparing for preaching, what am I going to say? You've all heard this. And, uh, you know, when you get thinking like that, then you try to say something that's impressive and then you're anything but. And so I just want to remind you, you'll never want a pastor that you're impressed with. You'll never want a pastor that says anything new. Just 
Just give me Jesus. So we have this awesome account of shepherds out in a field, night, an angel, we don't know if it's the same angel that appeared to Joseph or Zechariah or Mary, but here's an angel, as we said in the time of confession, they are terrified and rightly so, I, I know, I think just seeing an angel would be probably, you know, freak you out. Um, and then when he suddenly appears, or, but with the glory of God's light blazing. I think this helps us to understand, hopefully for you, like by looking in a mirror, how dull we can be. that to see the glory of God would be the most terrifying thing you could ever see. Even if it's just the glory of God with an angel, not God himself. That's why I love the King James. They were sore afraid. I don't know that I've ever been afraid such that I like, was physically Soar. The angels give them this great news. Don't be afraid. I have good news, a great joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I give them a sign, baby in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And, and that touches off. Remember those videos a few years ago, the, the flash mobs? I don't know that this was spontaneous, but the sky was filled with thousands of angelic beings. And don't, don't miss the reality here that these heavenly hosts are like in the Old Testament, those angelic warriors that destroyed armies. These weren't cute, cuddly cherubs with harps and, you know, rosy cheeks. Yeah, terrifying. It says like Braveheart when they're all lined up and the men are chanting and shouting. This is awesome. When they leave, this really wonderful note in verse 15, they, they don't go to see if this has happened. They have real faith. Let us go and see this thing that has happened. Isn't that wonderful? They don't disbelieve. Let, let, let's, let's not, they're not saying, let's go. One of them doesn't say, hey, this could be. Let's go see if it's true. No, this is true. Let's go see it. Isn't that wonderful? May God give us the faith. They go quickly in haste. They tell Joseph and Mary what they had seen, and everybody's in wonder. Mary responds with this treasure and pondering and storing it. She doesn't want to let it go. And the shepherds, like, seeing a most amazing, spectacular catch, and they're yapping about after the game. They go walking back to their fields just, remember, wow, they're, they're just thrilled. And so that's what we see here. In 
in verse 11, we see again, like we saw last week, that we cannot know the truth of Jesus except that heaven reveals it. We are utterly dependent on God to know Jesus. I don't know how, how to help you feel that. You know the Lord, and the only reason you know them is because God graciously revealed his son to you. And the only reason you continue to keep on knowing him is God continues to pour out that same grace on you. And so don't pass by the rich treasure of the grace of God in giving you his word. One of the things we try to convince you to do is read your Bible regularly, and I fear that the majority of you don't. Now, I get it. Some of you wake up at four or five to go to work, and you have a physically difficult job or maybe a mentally difficult job, and then you come home, and it's family and maybe church responsibilities, and so you know, time is an issue, and I have a ton of sympathy for that. And yet there are those with your same schedule who do get up a bit earlier to read God's Word or maybe do carve out the lunch break to read God's Word or find some other way because we have a treasure in the eternal, Spirit-inspired, never-failing, powerful Word of God where we meet Jesus. And God's Spirit reveals Christ to us in His Word. You can't find Him in nature. You can't find Him within. He is revealed in the written Word of God. So, God is very gracious to these shepherds and to us to explicitly tell them who was born in the city of David. He's a Savior. Christ the Lord. Let me just show... A few things from this verse. Unto you. So he's speaking, the angel's speaking here to shepherds. And isn't it something that the news of the Savior is first told to farmers? I grew up in a farming community, Randolph, Dutch community, 20 some hundred people. Our church about this size was 90% farming families or those, in, you know, who made their living serving the farmers. All small dairy farmers, you know, 50, 60 head, all of them. I know the smells. I know that their right hands were twice as big as their left hands. I, I know that they were all stingy, miserly guys I know the wives who, when the, a tooth of one of the equipment broke off in the field, they'd take the stroller with the kid and push up and down the rows looking for it. That's who they were revealed. Now, the thing about shepherds here is not so much that they were despised as they were just the forgotten. You remember that a time when Samuel was told to go to Jesse's family to, because one of them 
was the anointed one. One of them was the next king of Israel. Remember that? Remember how many sons he had? Anybody know? No? Well, you can look it up later. Uh, and he goes in the oldest one, and Samuel, surely this must be him, and it's not. God doesn't judge like man does. He looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. And he goes through all the sons, and none of them is it. Do you have another son? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about him. He's the shepherd. Shepherds are forgotten. They're just, they're just nothings. This is, this is who God is pleased to reveal his son to. The people that the world has very little thought towards. Isn't that wonderful? Humble. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, reminding the church that God chooses the fools to shame the wise. He chooses the weak to shame the strong. He chooses those that are nothing to shame those who think they're something. So God comes to shepherds. And so, we must receive this gospel in humility. In fact, you cannot become a Christian unless you bow Unless you confess that you're not Lord, that your wife isn't Lord, that your boss isn't Lord, that your children aren't Lord, that your own whims and desires aren't Lord, but that only Jesus is Lord. So unto you, unto you. You welders, you homemakers, hardly any of you are anything, right? right? You're nothing in the eyes of this world. And look, here you are. Not something. Born this day, Psalm 118, 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now we sing that song and we apply it to every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I want to be glad in this day, but sometimes the word day is capitalized to indicate a very specific day, a day promised, the day coming, which will be the day of days. Psalm 118.24 is, this is the day, is mainly meaning a capital D day. The day of Jesus. When the angel says, unto you is born this day. That day is indicating the promised day is here. And the shepherds got it. They all knew. When he says city of David, they knew what that meant. Because they knew Micah 5. They knew that he would be born in Bethlehem. They got it. It's here. is the dawning of the day of the fulfillment of God's promise of salvation. The seed of Eve that would crush a serpent's head is here. 
the promised descendant of Abraham, which would bring salvation, blessing to all nations, is here. The descendant of David, which would rule on the eternal throne of God over all nations, is here. Would you have believed it? (laughs) I wouldn't have. These guys believed it. He's Savior. We'll spend the rest of the sermon on this in a moment. He is Christ the Lord. Pastor Mark's going to talk about that next week. But let me just challenge you there. You cannot have Savior if he'll not be your Lord. You cannot have Jesus as your Savior if you're not under his Lordship. And I don't mean under his Lordship in, in what you really mean is I'm, I'm under his Lordship in the sense that I'll do what I like I'll do what I feel, but not do what he says in his word. And so he is the eternal God. He's the risen, exalted king with all authority and heaven and earth. He is the Lord. And just consider this. There is nobody with the power of Jesus Christ, right? There's nobody who has the authority that Jesus Christ has. He rules all of heaven and all of earth right now. And what does he use that power and authority for? Why did that king of all kings, that eternal God of gods, humble himself to a woman's womb and be born as a man? Why did he take on flesh? What for? To save us. We have people in our world with authority over us and they rarely use it for our good. And here is the king of all kings, the authority of all authorities, humbling himself to taking on flesh in order to die, raised to save you. He uses his authority and power to rescue you from you. To rescue you from you. You know who can't rescue you from you? You! You try. Right, Mom? You try to rescue you from your irritation at your kids. You try. And you fail, and you try, and you fail, and you try, and you fail. Do you know who can rescue you from that? Jesus. That's right. God. Is that Mason? Jesus is God, right, Mason? Yeah? Right on. Husband, do you know who can rescue you from being harsh with your wife and cold towards her and loveless and she just desires to just be loved, to just have a nice word said to her, to just pay attention to her? Do you know who can rescue you from your blockheadedness? Jesus. Rebellious teen who can't just say yes, mom, or no, dad, or You just got to have a million words in there. You know who can rescue you from that? Jesus. He's a Savior. Now the term Savior includes the idea of rescue. Jesus' name 
Jesus is Greek. I, I don't mean he himself is ethnically Greek. I mean the name. Jesus is the Greek name. What's the Hebrew name? Joshua. What does Joshua mean? The Lord is salvation. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save, rescue, deliver, redeem his people from the sins of everybody else. No. From your sins. We see example after example of saviors in the Bible or salvations in the Bible. Noah and the ark, Israel from Egypt, Jonah from the great beast. The common thread in those is Noah couldn't save himself, Israel couldn't rescue themselves, Jonah couldn't deliver himself. They were all in situations way over their heads. The flood was worldwide and covered the tops of the mountains and he couldn't tread long, water that long. Egypt was a harsh taskmaster. and The whale was beyond Jonah's strength. This is why in the Bible we see things like we were once enslaved in sin under the wrath of God, but God in his great mercy when we're yet dead in our sins and trespasses made us alive together with Jesus Christ. But but, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God. I've already pointed out the shepherd's fear and how their fear ultimately stems, stems from facing God's judgment. They know that when they see God's glory and they see an angelic warrior, they have the right thought that they're done. Their life is forfeit. They tremble before the judgment of God. Do you tremble before the judgment of God? Do you have any fear of God? Now, some of you say, we shouldn't be afraid of God. God is loving. God is kind. That's true. But isn't, doesn't the Bible hold out everywhere the goodness of fearing God, of trembling before him? I think we think so little of Jesus because we think so little of God's justice. We have very little conception of God's holiness and so we have less conception of the grace of God and the love of God. But God does, in this world, give us lots of opportunities to be afraid. Thinking of Jesus as our Savior, and some of you dearly, desperately want salvation, rescue from current, present troubles, and rightly so. You have things going on in your lives that you would like help with, deliverance from. It may be even just emotional, psychological pain, depression, internal darkness. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's physical. And those things bring fear. 
My child won't talk to me. I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. You were in the path of the storm down south in Tennessee. You would have known fear. We are all troubled and fearful over the future of our nation. I'm afraid of getting Alzheimer's. I've seen people die from it. I don't want that. I'm afraid. Isn't that given to me to teach me to fear God? Isn't it? Parents, you know fear. Moms, you know it. Husband, when the kids go swimming, I want them to wear a life jacket. But he's 15. Because moms have these imagine, uh, incredible imaginations of what could happen to their child. Fear. I was thinking that, well, we do want deliverance from God in our present problems. He often, or maybe sometimes, doesn't deliver us from them because he's more intent on delivering us eternally. And that he allows us and brings those present distresses and troubles in order to teach us our need for our Savior. And it's a much better grace Because we really don't know ourselves. We really don't know ourselves. We don't know how bad we are. We refuse to admit it. And so Jesus came to save us. And the way that God helps us continually see and feel our need for a Savior is by allowing many present troubles present distresses, disappointments. Because we just are so dull towards the reality that we have an eternal soul. We sang in a song, a soul felt its worth. You know what that's singing about? And because we're flesh and blood, because we live in a physical world, we frequently find it difficult to understand the eternal, the spiritual, that I have a soul. And so we live for the physical. We live for the day. We live for the here and now. We live for eat and drink. Do you feel the worth of your soul? Do you feel the worth of the soul of the people around you? Do you know eternity? Do you know that you'll stand in judgment before God? <clears throat> and so God brings things into our lives to help us feel the worth of our soul. To give you hope that this world of misery is not all there is. There is an eternal to come. And the only way from this day to that is Jesus Who's the Savior? 
Now, often this salvation in the Bible is spoken of as eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but live forever. It's not good news. But you don't have the forever if you're not living for him now. He did save you for eternal life, but he also saved you for this life. He doesn't just forgive all of your sins. He intends to save you from your sins. To live free of enslavement to that which would destroy you. In Titus, we read that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. What salvation? The salvation of training us. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Training us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age as we await for the appearing of the great glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so don't neglect the reality that Jesus did come, born of a woman, taking on humanity, fully God and fully man, in order to secure us forever, to give us rich entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 1.11, that the outcome of our faith in Christ is eternal salvation of our souls. And yet that eternal salvation is working in us now to free you from your sin now. You don't have to continue to walk in it. I think sometimes you just be, this is just the way it is. This is just who I am. I can't beat this. I can't get beyond that. But Jesus rose from the dead. That power not at work in you that raised him from the dead, you don't have to walk in it anymore. And so the salvation that he gave you is not just this get out of hell free card. It's not just good one time at the end of your life. It's for your life now. You don't have to live like you've been living. You don't have to. You don't have to keep doing that. You don't have to keep saying that. You don't have to keep looking at those things. Like Christ came and died and rose to break the power of sin over you now. In fact, that is the mark of a Christian, isn't it? It's not just somebody that says, I got heaven, but I can live like hell now. It's somebody who says, I've got heaven and I want to live like it now. And so we have sorrow over our sins. We have contrition. We hate it. We fight it. We look at ourselves and get disgusted. Why? So we look to Jesus. Again and again and again, John Calvin says, you will never see your need for a Savior until you become thoroughly displeased with yourself. And our world tells you the exact opposite, doesn't it? <laughs> that salvation is having a 
very high and happy view of yourself. <laughs> I'm five foot six and bald. I can't get out of bed without sinning. <laughs> uh, I love Jonathan up here during the meeting. He was relating breaking up with a girlfriend when you say, like, it's not me, it's you. And I thought, no, 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 it's not. It, it's uh, the other way. It's you. <laughs> That's what I would say <laughs> because I'm so proud. Jonathan's a humble elder. I'm the proud one. We balance each other out well. Do you know yourself like that? Do you see your need for a Savior? Do you? I hope so. Because when we read that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, you are reading God's love. That is God's love. It isn't God's fawning over you. It isn't God thinking you're the greatest. It is God seeing your need for eternal salvation, your need from enslavement to sin and sending his son. That is the love of God. And when we see this great love of God, we can return to the sheep, praising and glorifying God. We can return to the work, we can return to the mommying. We can return to the job. We can return to the whatever you're returning to, praising and glorifying God, because God has mercifully rescued you from hell. Because he loves. Isn't that great news? I love it if the shepherds just go right back to work. Isn't that fun? So go back to work. Go back to work tomorrow. Whatever the work is, praising and glorifying God. Let's pray. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. The charge is this. Consider whether or not you continue to fight for the faith to experience the wonder that God so loved us that he sent his son to save us. I think sometimes we think that it should be easy to believe that. That it should just kind of come to us, just fall in our laps. To believe that we have a Savior, that God does love us, that he has forgiven us of our sins. But we, you actually have to fight to believe that. You have to actually exercise faith. And so the charge is ask God for more faith, to experience more joy and more wonder at the news of Christ's coming. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And amen. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord and I love you.